Welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and also for those of you that are here at our physical church. Amen. You want to pray for me? And this is Friend Day. We have been inviting all of the people to bring in all of their friends. And so <laughs> we've, uh, we've had to lock the doors outside to keep them. We've got <laughs> a couple of thousand people outside yeah. waiting, crowding watching, to get in. Watching online, for sure. There's, there's a line of cars down about two or three blocks down the road trying to get in i'm speaking you. things that are not as though they were there you go <laughs> <laughs> Bye, faith. Right. Amen. okay so let's pray lord we thank you for this prophet of god and we ask you to give her your anointing fill her mouth and her heart with your fire to speak to us today and help us to receive it and become more christ-like in jesus name amen amen thank you thank you so much well, welcome again. Um, you know, this message has been something that, as a Christian that I live through every day. I know Stan says that he lives through every day because I'm like the sandpaper on him, making sure that he does things right. And, you know, vice versa, he does sandpaper on me and makes sure that I'm doing things right. So I thought it might be beneficial to bring this message to the body of Christ. I gave you, all of you here, a little piece of sandpaper. And so you keep that. That's for you to remember that God's going to always be sandpapering you. And also that he's going to be using like <laughs> believers to also be sandpapering you also to make you more Christ-like. Yeah. So you can say, you know, I think I need some sandpaper today is what you might think sometimes. And that would be a good answer. Some people are the sandpaper. In other words, they just rub you the wrong way. Right? Anybody around anybody like that? Maybe it's your, your, your spouse, right? Many times that's the first place we look. It's my husband or my wife. Man, they're the sandpaper. I mean, could it be a coworker? Could it be a family member? You know, anyone out there that just kind of just, they're very argumentative. They're, they sometimes can be a troublemaker. They can be someone in the office that, that is always like, again, just you walk by them and you just like, ugh, I can't stand them. I can't believe I'm having to walk by them. I don't want to be near them because they are the sandpaper. And sometimes we tend to put a Band-Aid on the issue and we ignore the person. I have, um, I've done some work for some other ministries too. I usually, they end up having me sometimes be the, um, I guess, the customer relations part. Because for some reason... God gave it to me. You won't believe this, but this is the truth. I've been able to diffuse some big issues. Uh, that say People say they're going to sue or they're going to attack and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And I have had the ability, at least for the most part, I have been able to diffuse the situation. Usually it's with a, a man and... And so, again, being a woman, sometimes they start off, they don't, want to, they don't want to talk to me, but it's easier to attack me than it would be maybe another man. So I just sit there and I listen. I usually, you know, for the person that is the sandpaper, the way to diffuse it is let them just talk. Yeah. Let them just talk, because before long they're going to start hearing themselves, right? So they just talk, and then pretty soon, well, you know, uh, I'm... Um, I'm so sorry you feel this way, but let's see if we can work on a, a different situation, a different outcome for you, that kind of thing. So that's, you know, that's a, there's customer relations, you know, those that, have, that if you get upset at like at a restaurant or something, and hopefully you Christians react and act better than the world out there, but we can't say we always do. 
that there might be a situation that arises and you need to not be the sandpaper, okay? You need to not rub them the wrong way. Um, also, the problem is, is that we cannot usually ignore the situation. We cannot ignore those people that are sandpaper or those of us that are sandpapering somebody else to smooth out those rough spots. So how do we react to someone that's in, that is a rough sandpaper? First of all, are they reacting in fear? You know, fear is really the basics of everything. They, everybody that's in our mind, yes, but fear is really the basics. Usually someone that is the sandpaper person, the reason is, is that they have a great amount of fear in their life. Um, they may not seem like it, but they do. They're afraid of rejection. So they're already going to be rejected before you rejected them. That's how, they, that's how they react. So you need to understand that a person that is coming act, act out like attacking or uh, rubbing you the wrong way, the base of it is fear. And if you understand that, then you're going to be able to not just put a Band-Aid on it or not just walk by the situation. You're going to be able to resolve it or help them resolve it. Or eventually, it takes time. You know, it's, just, it's not just immediate. So do we react in attacking back? A lot of times we do. Do we turn and go the other way? A lot of times we do. Do we listen? A lot of times we don't. Do we give love back? Right? Because if you give love back, that's going to conquer everything. Uh, do we give an encouraging word to them? Usually, no. It's just get away from them as fast as you can. Do you feel like God or others are always like filing at you? They're gnawing at you. Anybody ever feel like that? Yeah, it happens uh, like, God, oh, why is, why is this happening to me? Or they're grating or they're grinding on you. They're sandblasting you. Uh, they're scraping. They're scuffing. They're breaking down. You know, it's like a constant attack. Shaving, chafing, eroding. This is all what it means to be sandpapered. <laughs> Fraying, frazzling, rubbing, erasing, and dissolving. In other words, they just want to get you out of the way. Right? So if you're the sandpaper, you need to allow God to sandpaper on you. If you are sandpapering others, make sure you do it the God way. And we're going to find out how to do that. Now, this talk um, could be said, well, this might be something that you would only give to a newly married couple or someone that's newly engaged, uh, somebody. But this talk about sandpaper could be whether you're married or whether you're not married. Now, We'll talk about some about marriage because that seems to be where a lot of sandpapering takes place, especially the woman on the man. Uh, the newly married, soon you may think, this is not what I expected. You know, there's, then you're going to say, the woman's going to say, there's rough spots on this man. I got to start sanding on it, right? Because a man's is, tends to be differently focused and different, uh, whole different personality. I know that y'all know this because look at the physical reasons why there's difference between men and women. But there's actually how God had, has made us that makes us different. And so the woman is always trying to sandpaper on the man more than actually the man on the woman. But, however, just many times the words that they may say will put us back in our place where we rightfully need to be. Now, men, I, don't, you know, you, I know you don't know this, but women are emotional. All right? This is just how God made us. Uh, <laughs> some don't know it, right? Now, ladies, you know, men are focused, right? So men focus and they process the, the decisions from A to Z. I'm, I sometimes even skip A. I'm already at Z, right? Some of you other women out there like that, we go A, Z, 
we're done. We got it figured out in our head. We're done. And so we have to take time. A, B, C, D, E, for a long time. F, G, and then finally we get to Z eventually. So this is like the men. They're focused. They're trying to figure it out. They're going step by step. They're, they're processing it out. They're talking it out. Now, if I do this, if I do that. And I know as women, I know that it can make you nuts. Because I, as a woman, it makes me nuts. And they come out to the same outcome. And I'm like, if you just, we could have we saved an hour here. <laughs> but, but God, you know, we have to understand our differences. We, as women, we need to understand how to respect the man. And we need to give them time to process it out. This is still something I'm constantly working on. I've, you know, over the years, gotten better. But Stan is definitely a focused man. And it takes a long time to get to where if he had just listened to me in the first place. But they have to be settled on the decision. You know, God takes them through step by step. So once they get to that Z, once they get to that decision, then they know it was God. And they, they're comfortable and confident in that. Um, Men, women process situation and ideas fast. They go from to A to Z very quickly. Now, what happens is disagreements come in before the, the, the man has had the opportunity to process it all the way to the end. And again, I know it's frustrating, but you have to give, it, give him respect. And this is like a woman. You know, our brain is like, like this. You know, it's moving. We get all the way to the end and we have it done. We figure it out. And so it's settled. But if we are really going to respect the man like we want to, we need to give them time. I love this picture. I showed this to Stan last night. It's anger management. When angry with someone, it helps to sit down and think about the problem. <laughs> so, and that's exactly what we want to do, especially those that are like sandpaper people in our lives that are just driving us nuts and we want to just like stop it. Or if we need to like sandpaper them and smooth out some of those rough spots. Now, in marriage, the first couple of years are rough, but we can also say, you know, there's like plateaus and there's like, you know, the seven years, they said the seven year itch or whatever. I don't know, but it doesn't, it's not like a timeline. There's not like a, uh, I guess, a, I guess a certain amount of years that go by before there's not some kind of disagreements. But the first couple of years can be rocky and they can be rough because you're, you're expecting to be happy every day. I know someone here recently that just got married and they were expecting it to be a bliss, a wonderful thing. They're going to be happy every day. And within, you know, within a week, uh, the woman was like, this man's a pig. He can't hit the house is disorder. It's horrible. The car, I can't even sit in the car. It stinks. It's, it's a mess. And so within a week, she's like, I'm not happy already. I was expecting to be happy. And I'm like, you didn't notice some of these things before, but whatever. So what happens is, is that the sandpaper is coming out. Man, that woman, she's getting it, and she's like roughing it up, smoothing it out, right? She's going to make sure that he's going to start doing things that are making that house decently and in order. And I think some things, you know, he wanted that woman just to be the one that's going to be like a slave. So if that's your way of thinking, men, that. That won't happen, especially here in America. That won't happen, right? I know, Stan. I know. Mail order bride, maybe. No, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, so you need to, you know, you expect the other person to treat with respect, kindness, and love all the time. And the best two words a man can ever have is? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am will work. Yes, 
Yes, ma'am works. That baby works better than yes, dear. Right? But, you know, yes, ma'am. And it's best if you just say yes, ma'am, yes, dear, and then go about doing what you're going to do. Now, we should know as Christian these scriptures. And does this only apply to marriage? We'll find out. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, a lot of women can say, I just would have liked for him to have kept this out of the word of God. My life would be a whole lot better if I didn't have to hear that word to submit. I hate that word. It means obey. O-B-E-Y makes you want to throw up. It's a horrible word. Submit. But we have, you know, denominations especially that have come in and have tried to cause, unfortunately, women to be like a slave by using that word. You're to submit to everything I tell you to do. No, submit you can submit as long as they're having you do things according to the word of God. If they're having you do things that are not according to the word of God, you say, no, sir, not doing it. And you have every right to do that. But submit is actually a safe place. It's a good place to be. Amen. And we all are su so supposed to submit, right? We're all supposed to submit to actually church leadership, but also submit to Christ above all. And if we submit, it means it's a safe place that we should be at. We need to understand that we as women, we're the weaker vessel. So that means, men, you are the stronger vessel. That means that you are to protect that woman. Okay, so submit is actually a good place. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So if you, husbands, if you love wives as Christ loves the church, then you're going to be treating her different if you go to that scripture instead of staying on wives submit. Uh, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. In other words, you're speaking, you're edifying, you're encouraging that, encouraging that woman all the time. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. In other words, you want to always make sure that you're presenting her in a good way. You know, in the ministry that we have, we are in, um, actually right now, <laughs> the thorn in my side that's being attacked right now is on my book, Shekinah, Not Right. Praise God, actually, because it means it's stirring up. And they're saying, this one person's saying that I'm causing division in the body of Christ because I'm saying Shekinah's not right. So why are you causing division? I'm like, well, why is it me causing division? <laughs> I'm not causing division. I'm speaking truth. So they need to be the ones that are, that are turning it around and saying, I have done wrong. But that's for another topic, another day, which I can assure you that I'll be bringing. <laughs> now, the meaning of wives, this is not just a married woman. So we're going to go back and read that scripture here in a minute. So wife, wife meaning means a woman of any age, whether a virgin or married or a widow. It's a wife, it's a betrothed woman, or it's just women it's, or whatever. Now, uh, hang on here. So let's go back here. So wives, this means women. We, we should understand that men, how God made us, made us in, in the way he's set everything up, is that the, the men are over us. That does not mean to squash us. That does not mean to attack us. That does not mean to treat us like a slave. But it actually should mean a good place, a safe place to be. 
In other words, you know, here in Texas, I still love to have men open doors for me to help me. I mean, our men here in our church are awesome. They see me drive up, man, they're out there, many of them. And you have anything for me to bring in? They bring it all in. They set it all up. Uh, they make sure, you know, that I'm taken care of. And I love that. I, mean, I like being treated like a lady. And I'm, I'll not abuse it. I say thank you. Thank you to all of you. Thank you, men. And I respect men. But, you know, unfortunately, there's some men in different parts of the world, they are afraid to do that because the man's gonna, the woman's going to bite their hand and their head off saying, I could get my own door. Well, I'm here to tell you, you see me coming, you can help me. And I love to have my doors open. I love to be treated like that Southern Belle. That's why I love Texas. I still think Texas, maybe now Florida, we should just become our new country. <laughs> but I was raised in a household where even my my brother, if, if any of us, there's, there's uh, six children, there's four girls and two boys with my mom and dad. And so if he trained my, my brothers, the two brothers, to open the doors, even for their sisters. I mean, my brother today will still stand up if I come in the room or if I'm like, um, you know, sitting at the table, he will still stand up. That's how he raised them. That's how he treats women. And it's a very respectful thing. So we've gotten away from all of that, but it's just, it's, it's honoring them. It's like making that woman feel special and looking good, right? But a wife means a, a woman or any, any female. That's what it means. So in other words, you, as you're going to find out here in a minute, men, you need to make sure that you take care of, make sure the other women are taken care of. That's your place to do. The husband meanings of a male, of a husband, betrothed or future husband, with reference to age and distinguish between an adult man and a boy, and it's any male. So when you read that scripture, you can't just say, or those verses, you can't just say it's just for the married. It means for all of you men, you treat women with respect. You love them as Christ loves the church. You make sure that they are taken care of. Uh, it means also women. It means that you submit, you understand your place, you understand their place. You know, one of the things that I've had opportunities, I've worked with a lot of male ministers. Uh, even with all the crusades that we've done, most all the time that they, they, are, they are male. And uh, a lot of male prophets... Um, and I've, I was able to gain a lot of their respect and it's because I do know my place. I do, my husband and I, you know, we're both type A personalities. We're both lions, but we work very well together in ministry. And I know if I say something to him, if he says, no, we're not going that direction. Okay. No problem. Instead, there's not an argument that should arise. He'll live to regret it for sure, but it's okay. Because, you know, we should know our place, and I, I respect it, and I respect you men. I've written a book called um, More Than a Ruby. I should have said More Than a Ruby, More, more Than a Ruby, More Than a Stud. <laughs> because it's really, uh, so it teaches you how to, under, women how to understand men, but also men how to understand women. All right, so, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So we should have respect one for another. Um, you know, men, again, I'm not trying to hound on you because I'll get to women too. But I think that, you know, just remember how can I respect 
my coworker that's a woman, my boss that's a woman, my sister that's a woman, my wife that's a woman, how can I respect her, my daughter, how can I respect them as a woman? And, and to give them a safe place feeling. They should be a safe place. Women are security oriented, so we want that safe place always to come to. I always want Stan to have my back. Like the attacks that are coming on me right now about Shekinah, I always want him to have my back. I'd like for him to just deal with it. But, you know, sometimes I just have to fight some of that battle. But I know that he has my back. I know I have the respect from him. Anyway, so we're going to continue on. Love one another. In other words, you need to have that reciprocal love for each other. Now, personalities are different. God made us different. Our characters are different. We were raised in different um, ways. And that's why when two married people come together, there's conflict sometimes because of just our... Um, just how we were raised, you know, just whatever, whatever, um, whatever we grew up in. Some grew up in a very loving home. Some grew up in a very abusive home. But then you try to put two people together and there should be, there could be conflicts. Same thing that can happen just with your coworkers or same thing can happen just with uh, other friends in, in your, in your life. Um, and just church members, the body of Christ. We all have different personalities. We all have characters. But the most important thing we should always remember is that our character needs to be growing every day to be more like Christ. If we will focus in on that, we can also understand that God's going to take this sandpaper. And I'm going to come over here and show you something. You know, this is a piece of wood that needs to have a lot of sandpaper on it. It needs to be come smooth. It needs to become, get all the rough edges out of it. it. needs to have everything done on it so that it'll become more Christ-like. Because this is how we start off. Right? This is how we start off. And then as God and as he allows others in our lives, as he allows leaders in our lives, uh, church leaders in our lives, as he allows those that are uh, friends and family and spouses in our lives, then he can still take this sandpaper and it starts rubbing on us. To smooth out all those rough spots. So eventually that we can be have smooth, smooth out all the wrinkles. <laughs> smooth out all the stuff that's not glorifying God. Because we have to remember, flesh is going to arise. Our flesh man is going to take over sometimes. Most of the time. You know, sometimes people want to say, they're just carrying a devil. Well, maybe it's you and your flesh. I mean, because sometimes people look at for a devil underneath, underneath every rock. Underneath every chair. Um, anything that they do wrong, they're going to start pointing fingers. Well, that we have to get away from, especially in a marriage. Because divorce, unfortunately, is high, just as high, if not higher, in church than it is in the world. And we are supposed to set the example. And so judgment begins in the household of God. So we have to start becoming the leaders and showing the world how it's supposed to be. Allowing each other to take that sandpaper on our lives, but allowing ourselves to not get into the flesh also. And again, in marriage, you can realize you've made an everlasting covenant with this person next to you. And pretty soon you may find out, you know, I just don't like that person very much. Well, God says to love them. I don't know if he even said to like them, but he did say to love them, right? So Christians and non-Christians may think we're totally mismatched. You know, this, this picture here, she's already upset with him. This is marriage day one here. <laughs> um, so, we are all sandpaper spouses. 
We are all sandpaper friends and coworkers. We are all rough around the, the edges. And most turn to God instead of turning away from each other. Or we must turn, excuse me, must turn to God instead of turning away from each other. We are different. And God made us different. We're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to all be the hand, not supposed to be all be the foot, not supposed to be all the feet, the finger, not supposed to be all be the eye or the ear. We are different. But the clue is, for each of us, as you hold that little piece of sandpaper, allow God to sandpaper you. Allow him to, to smooth out those rough spots on you. And it might be from another Christian. It might be from a spouse. It might be from a friend. Allow him to rough out, to rough out or smooth out those areas that need to be smoothed out so we can be more Christ-like. You feel sandpapered on the stand all the time? Are you not answering? <laughs> okay. <laughs> he doesn't want to... In, yeah, anyway. So unfortunately, as you know, there's times that we both get a lot of sandpapered on. Now, women, when a conflict, whether at home or work, women usually are verbal and they process very quickly. But also, if there's a conflict, whether it's at home or at work, the men will often just go in the corner and shut up. Is that right? No, it's not. Because um, we have to allow the man to process it out. We have to allow them to reflect on it. We have to allow, instead of just, you know, just on and on and on, because the man, again, he'll just go in the corner. Or the other way it goes on the other end is if the man's like attacking the woman verbally, she's going to go into the corner too. Now, this doesn't mean just at the home. You have to, again, we have to have respect one for another. We have to set an example. We have to be the testimony of Christ. We have to remember, wherever we go, we are that witness for Christ. Wherever we are. Men cannot think that quickly. They feel belittled because he can't think that quick. And we as women, we can't understand why you can't already think about this. You can't already think about the end result. Nope, one step at a time. You know, I respect you men so much because I'm so thankful that God made you as the leader focused. And I mean that, sincerely. I really do. I, I'm so thankful because you think, you methodically think things out. You process it out step by step by step. And if we women will just shut up many times, we should let that man process it out, do what they're going to do, and then we're going to have a good result at the end. And sometimes it might be like we thought as women it should be, but sometimes it's not. And we have to let the man know that God is holding him accountable more than the woman. Because the man is the head. Okay, so the man is the head, so he's responsible before God to make sure that that right decision is made. And God's, the reason we just can go little, 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 is because we're not held to a, the higher standard or high accountability as the man. God, that's one reason why they are so focused, they think it through. They go process step by step. And yes, they're going to miss some things at the final end down there because they didn't get that far sometimes. But we as women should just build them back up, encourage them, and help them. Never set someone up to fail. Never set them up to fail. It's like, you know, don't use those words, I told you so. So I know I'm probably not making any more friends today on either side. 
So I'll just go home and cover my head with a sheet later on and cry. But the point is that I am speaking the truth because I'm a woman, my husband's a male, and we, we, I know these things. And I know I mess up a lot, and I know that he feels attacked a lot. I know there's times I feel attacked. And, I, you know, nobody's perfect, right? So um, I encourage you, I guess I'll just say it this way, I encourage you to get the book more than a, more than a ruby. It'll explain for, I mean, men, I said, why did you have to make it a pink cover? I said, just get one of those, just a paper, brown paper sack and cover it. Nobody will even know it's pink underneath it because it's really done them a lot of good too. I um, um, I don't want you to ever feel like someone's belittling you or setting you up to fail. And so, again, we as women also need to understand too, it's never a good thing to interrupt a man. If he is a no don't write me, don't email me, because I'll just delete. Just like that. But this is a truth, if we'll grab it, okay? So we, if, if you can avoid it, there's times you can't. But if a man is saying something, you don't ever want to try to correct them, especially in another man, in front of another man. You don't want to do that. That's belittling them. Yes? They're like... They're like, I don't, but this is the truth. And it's, but we have to understand because we are already at Z sometimes. This is friend day. I got to get it, I got to get it more exciting, you know, let's connect here. We have to understand that we are not to belittle one another, whether it's male or female, okay? Now, if you, if you're belittling them, then men are going to begin to view that woman as being critical, combative, things like that. And then women, we start seeing the man's just an avoider and that he doesn't want to, to solve the conflict and in ministry and in the church we have to understand this is a whole dynamic that goes on in place of a church too or with church leaders so don't try to correct them don't interrupt them as best you can there's times i have i've got to get stan's attention right then and i'm not trying to interrupt him to to make a statement to correct him i just need his attention somewhere else that's different so don't set up a person to fail. Respect the leaders. And women, work on not correcting the man in front of others. If your spouse looks at life differently, it can often attempt us to, tempt us to attack each other. Because, again, we do see things differently, right? Uh, maybe we need to look at the situation as God is enabling us to grow spiritually. See it as a blessing instead of a curse. The dull knife. You know, it says iron, iron sharpeneth iron. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But, you know, a... a um, a knife cannot get sharpened by cutting ice cream, right? So we have these different personality traits and characteristics that have to be sharpened, and it's not by just ice cream and not by correcting. It's just like having a, you know, you, as parents, for those of you that have, have children, you know, you're raising them in the admonition of the Lord, and you're trying to, to give them correction so that they go the right way. And that's the parent's job. And then as grandparents, woo, you want some ice cream? You want chocolate cake for dinner. Whatever you might like, as long as I can keep you happy and not crying. That's what our motto is. No, not really. But we as parents, though, we want to correct our children so that they grow the right way, right? That they are not, cause, not going to be causing issues or problems in life. Um, it's not fun to have these hard, rough sandpaper rubbing on us to make us smooth and pretty. 
So for those of you that have your sandpaper, take it out and feel it. And see if you'd like to have that rubbing on your skin somewhere. Have it rubbing on your face somewhere. So rubbing on your leg. Feel how rough it is. It's not, uh, I don't know what grade of sandpaper it is. Does it really matter? The problem, the, 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 the response is, I don't want that on me. And it's, it is rough, right? So patience is a rough spot on us that most of us need that extra rubbing. But so is pride. Men, they make slower-paced decisions, powerful, precise, and important decision, and encourage that man to talk it through, to work it out. Yeah, you got to sit there, you know, um, and look at them. Mm, all the things that are difficult for me to do, <laughs> we have to work on things like that. We have opportunities daily for spiritual growth. We're the sandpaper, and again, Jesus rubs out those, rubs out those rough images, rough spots on us so that we can be more in his image. We need to give Jesus our all. Amen? We need to give him our heart and our mind and our soul. We need to allow him to improve us. And most important, we are never done by being sanded on. We just have to agree to it. We have to agree that he's going to constantly sandpaper us. And he's going to use others to sandpaper us, to make us more Christ-like. That is a good thing. And we need to recognize it as a good thing. In Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And there's times that we have to speak into someone's life. There's times that we have to take that um, sandpaper and just go over them and it grates on them. But it's for their own good. I don't know why that didn't come on the video. Technical glitch. If it doesn't come up, it's okay. Try again. This video shows um, like a dull knife uh, cutting and then also a sharp knife. And one really works well and one doesn't work well. And it's just something that I wanted to give like an image to stay inside your, your mind on times.
I know this is a crazy example, but this is the source of just how strong we can be with the right friends around us. That's right. We have the right friends around us, like friends that love Jesus or friends that push us to be the best versions of ourselves. We can be as sharp and useful as this sword. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, as friends sharpen us, guess what? Jesus should be working on us all the time. We should allow him working on us all the time. And Jesus begins to work on us. We change. We transform. Sometimes it's painful. Uh, it's not easy, but it is always worth it. And we change. We become that different person. The friends and family may not recognize us because we're getting closer to the Lord. Anybody ever have that happen? I mean, all of a sudden, it's like, who are you? Uh, or you, you get away from those friends that you should not be hanging out with anyway. That becomes like, who are you now? You're this Jesus freak. Well, yeah, I guess if that's what you want to call me, that's okay. Uh, Stan taught our children a very valuable lesson. One time we were living in Topeka, Kansas, had a pool table in our family room. And he pleased, told Leslie and he said, get up on this pool table. I want to show you something. Now, Bentley, come over here, and I want y'all to take hands. Leslie's on the pool table, and Bentley's down on the ground. They take hands, and he said, Leslie Ann, you know, this is how I want you to choose your friends, okay? Bentley, Sean, this is how you should choose your friends. Now, you're on the pool table because you're, you're Christ-like. You're a Christian. You love the Lord. And then, Bentley, you down here, you're a sinner. You, um, you don't handle things right in the world. You're, you are of the world. Uh, you, you curse. You know, you do things wrong. You smoke dope or you do whatever kinds of things that are not pleasing to God. You're not following his laws or his commandments. You're just lawless. You're just doing things you want to do. It takes hands. He said, Leslie Ann, you're going to pull Bentley up to be like Christ. So take his hand and try to pull him up. Tries to pull him so hard, he can't, she can't get him up, right? So he says, now, Bentley, pull down to her to your level. Well, sure enough, you know, she's going to come tumbling off of that pool table, right? Because you have to start picking out those friends or who you're going to be hanging out with. Who are they? What kinds of things are they in? What, how are, I mean, are they in things that are not pleasing to God? Those are the things you need to ask yourself. And that's the thing you can help your children understand. You need to hang around uh, other friends that have the same kind of fruit as you. If we're not ready for the change and if we don't love the change, we may want to stop. Maybe we may want God to stop that sandpapering. We don't say, we don't want you to, to scrape any more off, God. It hurts too much. And sometimes it gets to that point, I can't take any more. Don't scrape any more off. But it becomes a place where we have that difficult relationship with Jesus at that moment because he wants to change us from the inside out. So, supernaturally, if you allow that sandpaper to happen in your lives, our hearts begin to change. We begin to love others as Christ loves the church. We begin to have more of a Christ-like relationship with others. But we have to become strong we have to become a united force, right, as Christians, because it, we have to make that choice that it's going to be Christ-like. When there's a battle in ourselves, our flesh, we need to be careful of our natural characteristics and personalities. We have to always remember, you know, Jesus is on your side. What kind of fruits are in you? Do you have the love, joy, 
all those, the gentleness, kindness, goodness, meekness, long-suffering, do you have all of that? Have you practiced each one of those? If you were to ever come to School of Prophets that I teach, that's the first thing we do. You're going to know what the gopi love is. You're going to know if you operate in it. And most people find that that's the hardest one for them to write. So that ought to show you right there, if you don't have the love, your, your fruit's pretty much nothing. Because it has to start. So practice the fruits of the Spirit. It's not about just practicing the gifts of the Spirit. It's about practicing the fruits of the Spirit. And that's how he gets off those rough spots, those, uh, those stubborn areas in our lives. And then we can turn into a beautiful piece of wood. We can be transformed to be more like him. So bottom line is we need to act. We need to adore Christ. We need to confess our sins. And then we need to transform ourselves. So just repeat after me and just pray this prayer that we're going to ask the Lord to change us to be more Christ-like, to be more like him. Lord Jesus, we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to do the right thing, say the right thing, change to the right attitude. Lord Jesus, help us day by day to change our hearts. Lord Jesus, help us each day to make wise actions and decisions that will please you. In Jesus' name, amen. And then Matthew 19, 26 says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, with God all things are possible. And of course we know Luke 1, 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. He can change you if you allow him to change you. You should want to be changed to be more Christ-like in every aspect. Make sure that you have a new testimony for Jesus. That wherever you go, wherever you stand, whomever you are around, that Jesus is also known to them immediately because there's something different about you. Something needs to be different about you. You're drawing them closer to Jesus instead of them pulling you out into the world. And remember, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I encourage you to share this with all of your friends. Click on like and share and subscribe. And then also you can click uh, by clicking below, you can donate. You can also contact us at spiritofprophecychurch.com. God bless you. We'll see you at the 1030 service. Welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church. It's Friend Day here. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise. Oh, that was really weak. Let's try that. Old. It's Friend Day here. Yeah. You know, um, October 31st, you know, for the, the devil, they, he would say that that's his Friend Day, but not here. We're going to praise the Lord in this place. Amen. We're not going to be celebrating Halloween, the Devil's Day. We're going to celebrate Jesus. And that's why we wanted to do Friend Day today, to have it specifically for him today, to declare him as our God. Amen. So welcome again to Spirit of Prophecy Church. We're happy to have you here. We have a few announcements to make. And then a special treat for one of our young little prayer warriors up here. We'll get to him in just a minute. Uh, just a reminder that next Saturday, November the 6th, you need to set your clocks back an hour. But for those of us, most of us have uh, our phones that automatically set back for us. So that's good. We don't have to hardly do anything anymore. We've got our phones, right? So that should set it back. That means you get an extra hour of sleep before you come, technically, 
to church. But church does start at 930. 9.30. You're missing out on a lot if you don't get here at 9.30. So I encourage you to come at 9.30 and join us also online at 9.30. So next next Saturday is to fall back with your, your uh, clocks. And make sure you reset the clocks in the house so that you're not late somewhere like work or something like that. Uh, also, intercessory prayer will be next Thursday with Melissa. I encourage you to come. That's at 7. And Melissa, I think you get done around 8.30 or something like that. So around 8.30, 7 to 8.30. That's Thursday, November the 4th. November the 4th. Oh, I got it right. Hey, sometimes I have a calendar in my head. It's kind of great. Uh, they'll be doing some spiritual warfare that day, so I encourage you to come. Also, we're going to have a uh, fellowship Thanksgiving dinner with all of you that are here. If you're invited here as a friend, we want to encourage you to come that day. Also, there's a sign-up sheet that you can sign that you're coming. Put each person's name in your party. Like if you're a mom and you have five kids, you put your name on a line and then each one of the five kids. Or Marcus, you would have a whole sheet to yourself probably with all the children you have. But put each person on there so we know exactly how many people are coming uh, instead of just the Miller family. We need to know everybody that's coming. And uh, there's a sign-up that we will have here. And, uh, Kate, if you can get this, we can start handing it around. This is for sign-up for to what you'll bring on Thanksgiving dinner with us. That'll be Sunday, November the 14th. Sunday. Everybody say Sunday. Sunday. November 14th. November 14th. Come and eat. <laughs> There'll be one service that day. We ask that you arrive at 10. The service will start at 1030 and bring all your goodies. Now, uh, just this is a little bit of a head of schedule here, but I need you to know so you'll be planning for it. But there's going to be a women's Christmas party at my house on December the 4th, Saturday, December the 4th, 1030 to 130. For those of you that have attended in the past, we have a great time. I um, have a special thing we're going to be doing that we haven't done before. I think you'll really enjoy it, and you can get a lot of prizes. Uh, children are welcome to come. That same day, December the 4th, the men, you, all you men are invited to go to the, was it, it's the Garland, Garland Gun Range. It's a shotgun. I guess they have other guns, guns that they need to shoot too, right, Stan? They can do rifles, handguns. handguns. So it's, 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 that's going to be the Garland Shooting Range, and that'll be December the 4th. While we're having our ladies' party, they'll be out there having it. They're male bonding. Yeah, yeah. Male bond and come home smelling like the outdoors. Yeah. And all of us women are going to sandpaper say, before you clean that gun, you go take a shower. <laughs> all right, maybe you can clean the gun first, and then you can go take a shower. Uh, that'll be the same day, and that's uh, meet, you'll meet at the range at 945, and it starts at 10. Okay, there's that. So um, for those of you that are visitors here today, would you please stand for us so we can just see who you are? They're all on this side. <laughs> yeah, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. And if you were invited by someone, would you please raise your hand? Okay, you were invited? Okay, great. So, uh, so the person that invited you will get a gift. And also for those of you that came, you get a gift also. So, Sunny, can you pass this around to our guest? And also whoever brought them gets a pen. Hey, Stan, I think you get a pen. How about that? I definitely get a pen. 
And uh, you are mic'd up. So this, this pen says Spirit of Prophecy Church. It has our address on there, and it has our email address. So I encourage you, if you want this beautiful pen, if you want this pen, I encourage you to bring uh, a guest so that you can win a pen. All right? Let it be a witness. Um, I think those are the announcements for that. So, Eden, come up here with me. He, they're, get, they're getting them, honey. They're getting them. <laughs> all right. So, I think all of y'all come over here a little bit with me. Closer to me. There we go. So, Eden, how old are you now? I, um, well, my birthday was a different day. It's just that moving and chrono was very hard so it's actually not on this day but it's actually a different day but i'm nine years old he's nine years old isn't that awesome so we're gonna sing happy birthday to eden and also you might as well get out your cash or credit card will work too right eden yeah or a check for a hundred bucks right that'll work he takes gold coins right He'll take anything like that. So anything with, that's monetary. So get out your cash while we sing happy birthday to him. And we're going to bring it up to Eden for his ninth birthday. And I want him to get the most of anybody so far this year. I don't know how much anybody else has gotten. So today will be the most. Amen. All right. So let's, let's stand. Let's sing happy birthday to Eden. And we're going to pray for him. Pastor Stan, if you'll get your mic on and come up. Come around the other way, baby. See how I obey? Did he you does, see that? sorry. All right, so happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Eden. Happy birthday to you and many more. Can you pray for him for his birthday? Lord, we ask blessings upon him. Press down, shaking together, running over. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here you go. So you're grab put your hand those. out because you're going to have a lot coming up. Here, we'll hold your praise shield because you might need two hands. There you go. There you go, darling. See, we pay our people to come to church. <laughs> Amen. It pays to come to church. The Lord pays. To, well. You'll need a counting machine here, right? Ah, oh, there we go. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, there you go. All right, let's give him some walking music as he goes back, go down the stairs. He can go down there easily. A happy birthday, Eden. Oh, he's nine, ten. He'll be this tall, or maybe taller. I'm not much taller than a nine-year-old. What's wrong? <laughs> Praise God. We're glad that you're there. All right, um... I just had y'all sit back down, but I do want to pray for some people. So if you'll again stand. And we have another visitor coming in, Jerry. Do I remember right? Yeah. Amen. And our praise team, come on up. Hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come boldly before your throne of grace and mercy. I thank you so much that we can come here and honor you, to praise you, to worship you. We love you. We give you all the glory. 
And Lord, for those who couldn't be with us because of sickness or sickness in their family, I rebuke that devourer right now in Jesus' name. I command that spirit of infirmity to get out and get out of their lives. And I'll speak specifically for Leslie Ann's home. In the name of Jesus, get out of that house right now in Jesus' name. And Carolyn's daughter's home, get out in Jesus' name. We just declare the blood of Jesus over them that they're healed right now. Lord, I speak specifically for Paris right now. Lord, what, she's getting IVs right now. In the name of Jesus, we just thank you right now that she is healed. She's delivered. She's set free. I thank you, Lord, that there's peace upon Leslie Ann. There's peace upon uh, Paris. And, Lord, I ask that you guide and direct those that are taking care of her, that it'll be done exactly how you say in Jesus' name. We speak strength to her body. We speak strength for her to be able to hold down food and not throw up. We just declare the name of Jesus a miracle again to Paris. Lord, she's your little prayer warrior. I thank you, Lord, that she's always known you from this moment she was born. I know, Lord, that there's a special place that you have for her. So we just, just, we just speak to her body right now. Say, function according to the word of God. And, Lord, I speak to those that are watching online. And, Lord, there's someone just specifically that is having some kind of um, bladder issues. I just declare in the name of Jesus that you be healed right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I only will go by the word of, word of knowledge or wisdom. And so, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you're healing them right now in Jesus' name. No presumption. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that, again, that you've brought us here to praise you, to worship you. We give you thanks in all things. Lord, in all things, in whatever circumstance that we're going through, you're there. And for our friend that, that had um, a stroke on the left side, Lord, I thank you that he's being strengthened right now. We thank you for healing his body right now. I thank you that he'll find the things to praise and worship you, even laying there, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that he's whole. Lord, make him whole and make him strong again and a better servant of yours in Jesus' name. Lord, there's people that are hurting. Your children are hurting. And we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We thank you that you're going to operate in this place today. We thank you that you'll bring Tony home safely from his mission trip. And I thank you that you're going to open up more doors for people in this church to do mission trips. We just declare it and say it's done in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. Sandpaper. <laughs> All right. I'll finish my prayer. Lord, I thank you, and we humbly come before you. We thank you for anointing the service. We thank you for anointing the praise and worship. And that we'll put our whole being into you, in Jesus' name. And while you're standing, it's time for offering. So I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that I know that you've told the people what they are to bring for their tithes and their offerings. And, Lord, I just ask right now that you just pour out that blessing to them as they bring it to the storehouse. And the thing that we do here at this church, it says to bring your offerings to the storehouse. So we ask that you do a prophetic act and that you come forward with your tithes and offerings. If you're writing a check, you can make it to SOPC or Spirit of Prophecy Church. And if you have a, a credit card that you need to put it on, we have a form that you can fill out. So they'll, if you just raise your hand, they will get that to you. Does anybody need a card form for their offering? Okay. All right, you can bring your tithes and offerings to the front. <clears throat> can we have some music, David?
Sam. 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 There's a few more we're waiting on just a minute. Either one. Brandon, you want to help me pray? Sure. <clears throat> Lord, you said that would we give to you that you are going to bless us back, press down, shaking together, and running over. And we thank you that you're not a man that you can lie. And we know that when we give to you, we're not only giving back many times in this world, but also in the next. And Lord, I ask you to bless this, that this will be multiplied and do the things that you need to do in the kingdom. And Lord, thank you for the sign that you gave us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless. Father, we come before you boldly, your throne room of grace and mercy, full of praise and adoration for who you are. We thank you so much for the, for the people that have given this morning, and I speak multiplication into them. Father, their hearts are right. As your word says, we are to give, not for what's to come, not for what you're going to give back, but just, just as servants, just as we love you, and you first loved us, Father. Amen. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Okay, I'll turn it over to praise and worship. Now please stand with us. Here we go. Hallelujah. Get our hands together. Thank you, Lord. Let's praise and worship the Lord together. Holy Spirit, move among us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Oh, we praise your name. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. You are holy. You are mighty. You are worthy, worthy of praise. I will follow, I will listen, I will love you all of my days. And I will sing to and worship the King who is worthy. I will love and adore Him. I will bow down before Him. I will sing to and worship the King who is worthy. I will of peace and I will live my 
Can stand against us 
One name breaks every day. One name always. One name Jesus. One name. One name remains. One name we will proclaim. One name always. One name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Power in His name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Power in His name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Power in His name. There is power. Jesus, there is power, power in His name. Oh, there is power in His name. Oh, there is power in His
Worship, please. Just stay in that attitude of worship right now. <clears throat> in Jesus' name. And cross over. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
Lord, I just thank you for speaking to us this morning in the name of Jesus. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You know, the enemy is at work. The enemy is at work to, to degrade you as believers. The enemy is at work to cause division in your homes. The enemy is at work, and he's setting up a trap. And he's setting up a, the snare for you. There's going to be time this next year that as believers, that you're going to find out who you are. You're going to find out if you're one of those that's tried through the fire. I was even convicted this morning. You should take the word of the Lord, the Bible, the King James Bible, not your phone. You can't lay that phone on your chest. You must get into the word of God, the true word of God, not the phone. I was convicted of it myself. The Lord is going to, he's sending this, allowing the enemy to send this trap to find out who is his, to find out which side you're going to be on. The enemy is causing a diversion. We're already seeing it happening in the news. And know that it's going to be increased. Know that that diversion is going to be increased. Are you going to be found crying? Are you going to be found wallowing? Are you going to be found angry at God? Or are you going to use this word and speak the word back into the heavens? Are you going to be praised and worshiping God? Worshiping God through it all. Are you going to pray till you have the peace? That's the test. Are you going to keep praying for the increase to come in your jobs? You're supposed to be the head, not the tail. We are supposed to be the ones that are guiding people through this mess. But know that the enemy has set a trap and you're walking right into it because of the division that's in the church. The division that's amongst the body of Christ. The division that's amongst the believers. See, if he can get us to be fighting, then he's got the whole world. The Lord says to you, not strong in the name of Jesus, because there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's not the power of the lies about Shekinah. It's not the powers of the lie about Kundalini. It's about the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working as one. Amen. We need to unite and stop fighting. We need to say there's, we need to understand that that diversion is set for us. Because the enemy will feed his own. How are you going to get your food if the enemy has it all? You're going to use the word of God and you're going to pray. You're going to cry out to God like they have to do in other countries. Christians, don't think that just because you're here in America that everything's going to be peachy and wonderful. It's time to get our eyes opened up. It's time to do the warfare in our homes. It's time to... Stand on the word of God and really believe the word of God. It's time to grab hold of that Bible, even sleep with that Bible. Let it just be not just only in your mind, but in your heart. Let you know that this is the word of God, the true word of God. King James Version. Don't leave believing that the lie of the, the, the enemy with the, the, the new, new age versions like the NIV. Take the word of God. The authorized King Version, King James Version. Trust in the Word of God. 
and begin to speak the word of God over your situation, over your circumstances. Diversion is here. The lie is here. And the lie is winning. It's time now. It's time now, yes, to gird up your loins right now. And to be strong in your faith. Because your faith is about to be tested. Your faith is going to be tried. Who are you? Who are you in Christ needs to be your question. And you need to know now. You need to know now that if you were to lose things today, where you would turn. You need to prepare your hearts now. Yes, prepare with food and water, yes. All those things are needed because you'll be feeding others. But you need to be tested and tried in your heart first. And pray until you receive that peace. And you don't stop till you receive that peace that passes all understanding. Because God hears your prayers, but it's time to be found faithful. It's time to get the sin out of the camp. And that means in your own home. Sin out of the camp right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I just declare the word of the Lord, and I just speak it forth to the heavenlies in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that your people will come together and unite, that you'll rally your troops right now, and there will not be that division, but the true prophets of God, the true apostles, the fivefold will come forth, and they'll speak the word of the Lord, and people will listen. We pray this, and we declare it, and we prophesy it in the name of Jesus. For there's power in your name, Lord. There's power in the name of Jesus. And we call upon your name. There's no other name to call upon. In Jesus' name and all the church said in agreement. Yes and amen, amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Come up here, Sunny. Don't be seated yet. Joseph, come back in, please. Joseph, Joseph, I have a word for Joseph. Uh, what it come to me is a scene with the Jesus with his disciple, and he asked his disciple, "Whose people say I am? Whose people say I am?" And they say to him a lot of things. And then he asked disciple, I think it was uh, Peter, who you say I am? And he said, you are son of God. And Joseph, this is for Joseph. Choose this day. Choose this day. Who? You choose. This is your chance to choose. Either you with the other side of a river or you choose the God, Jesus, as your Savior. And another one it come forward was taste and see. Taste and see in your life how good I am. That's the word I got. Thank you. We receive it for him in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, let's greet someone here and tell them that you're thankful that they're here. It is time to have the, our thanksgiving given to God. Amen. Let them know that you love to have them here in Jesus' name.
while we're getting situated. Um, after church, please do not leave. Please do not leave after church. We have a taco bar from Rosa's being delivered. And we're going to also play taco bingo. <laughs> and uh, going to have a good time just fellowshipping one with another. You know, that's the reason we come to church is to fellowship with one another. Yes, to hear the word. Yes, to get correction. Yes, to get closer to God and be convicted in times that we need to be convicted. But, you know, the... The real reason that we should continue to come and to be a part of a church body is to fellowship one with another. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power when we rally together. And the way that you unite is by coming and physically joining the church. So we encourage you to come and be a part of us. If you are looking for a church in the Dallas area, Dallas-Fort Worth area, then I encourage you to come and, and check us out. Visit us several times. Spirit Prophecy Church, we're in Plano. We'd love to have you come. And also, if you're online and would like to come and visit us, we'd love to have you too. All right. Praise God. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this man of God. I thank you, Lord, that you have given him the vision to start this church and other churches, Lord. I thank you that you have laid it on his heart to, to speak the truth, even in times when the truth is not received. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you anoint him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Give him the word of the Lord this morning. Give him recallability and let him feel your presence. Holy Spirit, let him feel your presence right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Great <clears throat> and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. From one new moon to another, one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before thee. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. To the glory of the Father, for wisdom and might are yours. You changeth the times and seasons, you removeth kings and setteth up kings, you giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things, you knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with you. And Lord, we thank you that you brought your anointing in. We thank you by the power of your name. We thank you for what you've done for us and for this nation. And Lord, we ask you to give us truth this morning. Open our eyes and let us see, hear, and remember in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you for our new sign. So we're going to be talking about John 3.16 today. So as I knelt down yesterday and I said, Lord, when do you want to say tomorrow morning? John 3.16. I thought, okay, that's basic. But then he spoke to my heart and he said, yeah, but I'm going to show you something you haven't seen before in John 3.16. You see, the, the word of the Lord is eternal. And we can never know it all about any part of it. It's eternal. So, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, that seems so simple, but that's not all that simple to understand. I'm going to show you that this morning. I'm going to help you to understand this morning what that's really saying. So, when it says, Verily, verily, what's special about that? We've talked about that in here. 
Anytime the Bible says verily, verily, it doesn't just put another word in there so you can make the book a little thicker, so you can charge a little bit more, so we can make more money on it, as a lot of the authors do. Matter of fact, there are people that they're specialized in, give me the book, how many words do you want it to be? And I can stretch out those same words, make it as many, as big as you want that book to be, just by putting in extra words. Bible doesn't do that. He put a word in there, he means that word. So when he says, verily, verily, Every time he says that, it means that it plays once, but then it plays another time. It means that it repeats itself. So when he says, verily, verily, he's saying there's two meanings to this. What are the two meanings? I say to thee that except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay, so what's the water? Well, that's when we're born of our mom. We understand that. But then born of the spirit. Does that mean speaking tongues? Does that mean being baptized in the Holy Spirit? No, because if it meant that, that means unless you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can't see the kingdom of God. Well, then what's he saying by the Spirit? I'm going to show you this morning. I'm going to show you that probably you've never seen it this way this morning. Okay, so let's back up. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to them, Rabbi... We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except that God be with him. Meaning, miracles is one of the ways that God confirms his word. But beware in the last days. Remember, I saw three, three unclean spirits come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the false prophet, and out of the mouth of the, the beast. These were the spirits of devils working miracles going forth into the kings of the earth and whole world to gather them to the great day of God Almighty. In other words, to deceive them by miracles. So in the last days, trust me, the Bible says that the beast, Antichrist, will use miracles to deceive. He's going to be able to call fire to the sky on the side of men, deceive them that dwell in the earth by those means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the first beast. Yes, I memorized the book of Revelation. The point is, yes, miracles are used to confirm the word, but the devil's also going to use the miracles to deceive. So just because we see a sign or a wonder or a miracle does not necessarily mean it's God. So how do we judge them? By their, what's the word? Fruits. By their fruits. In other words, what are they producing, right? Here it is. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So what's this? Born again. Is that the same thing as being born of the water and the spirit? Yes, it has to do with it. Nicodemus said, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb be born? See, he's seeing it physically. A lot of times the Jews tend to see things physically. Like God says, hide the word in your heart. So what do they do? They put a phylactery around there, put a box on their head with the word of God in it. And then they, a little leather box, and then they wrap the, the leather around them, around their, I mean, you see them stand up on the plane and they face east and they do this and they say their prayers so that everybody on the, on the, on the, on the, on the plane can see, oh, I'm very religious. Jesus said, do your prayers in your prayer closet you do them silently and you do it's not but but you do them privately and then he rewards you openly so we don't do things to be impressed we do things silently or not silently wrong word 
in private to impress him. Okay. Here it is. Verily, verily, I say to them, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit. But what's the Spirit? He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, in the kingdom of God, question, do we have the same kind of body in the kingdom of God, in other words, in eternity, that we have now? I give these open book tests here, okay? I make this real easy. <laughs> it's okay to have fun. Okay, it's all right. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be so serious. So what's the next body that we get? Jesus said he saved the best wine for last. So what is that last body? Well, it's giving you a hint. It's a spirit body. But we're going to look into that more this morning. That which is born of the flesh, it's of the flesh. But that was born of a spirit, a spirit. He's giving us a hint. He's saying, when you get that eternal body, it's not going to be a mud body. See, we got a mud body right now. It's not going to be a mud body. It's not going to be a body that can sin. It doesn't age. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't cry anymore. It does not need food anymore. Now, we can eat. But he gives us the hidden manna. What's the hidden manna? Light. Light. Jesus is the light of the world. I gave you a hint what the new body is. Okay, marvel not that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it does, is the way we would say it, and you don't hear the sound of. So <laughs> how can you tell where it comes, where it goes, is what he's basically saying. Nicodemus has said to them, so how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a master of Israel, and you don't understand these things? Here it is again, verily, verily. Verily, verily, I say to you, We speak that we know, and we testify of what we have seen, and you have received our witness. In other words, I have told you, I have been preaching, I have been saying these things for a long time now. I have heard you, you said in the audience, you've heard me say these things, and you don't understand them? That's the way we would say it. If I've told you of earthly things and you don't believe, how are you going to believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Meaning, what he's about to say is a heavenly thing. And we want to know those heavenly things, right? Yeah. Amen. amen. <laughs> this is amen. This is hallelujah. You've got to get your signs right here. And no man has ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. Okay, so what's he hinting at? He's hinting that this new body is a heavenly body, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Moses was lifted up, in the, uh, 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 he lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, in case you're not familiar with the story. He was told the people were getting bit by cobras a lot and killing them. So he told them to take a stick and put a serpent or a cobra up on the stick and hold it up and everybody that looked at it, even though the cobras had bitten them, they didn't die. It's a picture of the serpent being lifted up, only Jesus was going to replace that with holiness being lifted up. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's, it's a picture of Jesus being crucified on the cross. Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness even so, the Son of Man must be crucified, is the way we would say it, lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What's he hinting at? 
he's telling us this new body is an eternal body. It's not a mud body like we're in now. It's not a body that hurts and cries and needs to, and falls apart and dies. It's, it's a new body. It's a new kind of a body. That's where he's going with this this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not die, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Condemn. See, that's what the devil does. He is the accuser of the brethren. He stands before God day and night and accuses the brethren. That's what he does. He stands before God and says, look at her. Look at him. See what they did. I should be given permission to destroy their life, destroy their business, destroy their family. That's what he is. That's who he is. That's what he does. So I don't understand people that sit out here and have not made a decision to receive Jesus. Either we receive the devil or we receive Jesus. There's no middle ground. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Meaning, either we're for Jesus or we are for the devil because if we're in the middle, guess what? Still all devil. There is no middle ground. But the average American out there, there are what you call nanyas. Who do you serve, nanya? I don't serve anybody. True? I don't need Jesus. <laughs> well, that's going to change real quick. Anyway, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, don't have to die, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world like the devil does, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, that word saved, we Christians refer to that as someone that has asked Jesus into their heart. But let me ask you, what does that really mean? I dare say that most of you in here probably don't exactly understand what it means. We tend to think, oh, that, that is saved. That means we receive Jesus. Saved from what? The answer is, from the wrath to come. Now, what's the wrath? <laughs> we opened a can of worms on that one. You know how many people are so confused about the wrath? What is the wrath? Oh, well, the wrath, to, wrath is seven years. Seven-year tribulation, that's the wrath. Wrong. Oh, it's the last 100 days. Wrong. Uh, it's, it's when God gets mad at people. When he causes another nation to come in and overthrow that nation. That's the wrath of God. Wrong. That's part of his wrath, no doubt, but that is not the wrath. The wrath is when Jesus returns, which I'll get to in just a second. I'll explain it more deeply. Saved. Saved from the wrath is what it's referring to. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Meaning, before we were born, we were already condemned. Before we were born, we're already heading to hell unless we change that direction by accepting Jesus. We were born in sin. Hard to get this group going. We're condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light is coming to the world and men loved darkness rather than light because of their deeds were evil. 
Do you think that's true? Do people like the devil's world better? Sad to say, look at most of the movies coming out. Look at most of the music coming out. Most of the books. Listen to the, the speech of the people around us. These days, most people can't carry on a conversation without some kind of profanity word coming out of their mouth. They can't speak cleanly. Can't do it. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither come into the light, lest his, his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth, doeth, doeth truth cometh to the light, and his deeds may be made manifest that are wrought in God. Here it is. He that believeth on the Son, of, uh, Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, back to the question. The big question of the day, what is that wrath? There cometh a woman from, uh, of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me to drink. Jesus answered and said to her, well, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that talks to you, give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee. Now that's the next big question. What is the living water? What is the living water? Got to be born of the water, got to be born of the spirit. But what's the living water? Well, it's not the birth from our mom. What's the living water? Jesus is the living water. It's the same thing as the spirit. I'll show you. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence we hast thou, from whence, from whence then hast, I'm just checking to see if you're following along. <laughs> from whence then hast thou any living water? Jesus answered the senator, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I'm going to give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will be as a well. Now this is important. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. Here's a little hint. When Jesus returns, when he returns, that is the wrath of God. And out of our belly flows rivers of living water. And boom, just like that. We flame on like that. That what that marble guy that you know flame on you know like, except for we get a glorified body, those that turn many people to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. Meaning, more people we lead to the Lord, the brighter we shine for all eternity. I didn't write the stuff. That's what the Bible says. The woman said to them, Sir, give me this water that thou that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now I'm going to skip part of it here. Many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. What is that? That was a prophecy. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode them two days. How many times have we read past a word, and we only saw the surface? But he's already told us to look deeper, because he said, verily, verily, he said it twice. So what's he talking about two days? How long is two days? Two thousand years, you're correct. About how long is it since Jesus died? We're in the bubble, okay? We're in the time period right now. Many more believe because of his own word. And he said to the woman, Now believe, not because of the saying for which you've heard, heard him ourselves, 
and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Okay, so a woman that had five husbands can see he's the Christ, but so many other people can't see. And it's, a, it's funny how us common people can see that Jesus is Lord, but so many wealthy, strong, powerful, well-educated, the leaders of our community, <laughs> they can't see it, right? We've heard ourselves how we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, after two days, see, it says it two times. Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. So, in that it says, verily, verily, it said it's placed twice. In that it says, two times, two days, two days, it says it twice. It's saying, I guarantee you that after two days, meaning after 2,000 years, I'm going to return. It's a little hint. Now, after two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. There we go. Now, if you notice, we've got a new sign out front. That does not exactly display exactly what the sign says, but the point I want to get to. Name is Spirit of Prophecy Church. But if you see in front of the sign, it had the words prophecy and also current events. And for the guests here, that's what we bring. In other words, we're not... We're not just a church that just brings just the New Testament. I remember in Malaysia, Leslie and I spoke at a church in Malaysia, and I was talking with the pastor before I got up to speak. And I was telling him, you know, some of the things about Revelation. He said, well, I did read Revelation once. I thought, oh, man. This guy is a church of 300 people, and the only book he teaches from is the book of Acts. 66 books in the Bible, he teaches from one of them. Think that's a good idea? Well, the people like it. But the people are not well informed. They're not balanced. Correct? Would you agree? Okay. So what we try to do is bring, basically we're saying the whole Bible. All of it. King James, of course. Now, here's a brief picture. Revelation 6.1. Now, in other words, I, I do a radio program called the Prophecy Club. If you want prophecy, you should go to that one. I generally don't do a whole lot of teaching on prophecy. But from time to time I do. But for me to make this point, for you to understand how we're born of the water and of the spirit, I have to go through and do a little prophecy teaching. So here goes a little prophecy teaching. So hmm, where did I put this? I've got a, yeah, here we go. So Jesus lived here, let's say, okay? He rose from the dead on first fruits somewhere around 0028. About two days later, he returns way out here, actually. But there is what we call a seven-year tribulation. Now, back to the seven-year tribulation. What starts that seven-year period? That's a very big question. What starts the countdown of that seven-year period? Here's the answer. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, meaning when the first seal is opened, and if you look up at this chart here, you see there's seven seals. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. So from here to here is seven years, okay? Now if you look at this chart, from here to here is about seven months. This is a chart of the last seven months. This is a chart of the last seven years. Now, I'm going to explain these quickly to make the point. The wrath happens here. 
we get our glorified bodies there. I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. There's not a scripture that says we get to hear that noise. But I often pray, Lord, whether it's with my natural ears, my spiritual ears, I want to hear when that first seal is open. I want to know when that seven-year tribulation starts. I want to know. Why? Because if we know when the first seal is opened, we know exactly seven years later, exactly seven years later, Jesus will return. Now, no man knows the day or the hour now, but when that happens, we will have the date. We'll know exactly seven years later. Now, we still won't know the day or the hour. It gets complicated. I won't go into that, but the point is. So the first seal I saw, as it were, the noise of thunder, and four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, behold, a white horse. He that sat upon him had a bow, and a crown was given to him. He went forth conquering and to conquer. Meaning, when the seven-year tribulation, when the last seven years starts, one of the things we will see is war. Question, are we beginning to see a lot of nations building up their war machine? Are we beginning to see nations get angry at each other? Maybe like we haven't seen in a long time. Think about that, right? This is yes, this is no. Yeah, okay, right. Now let's go to the second one. Oh, here. They're a little bit easier. I'll go and explain it with a larger chart here. So we just went through. Here's the first seal. I'm going to quickly touch second seal, third seal, fourth seal, fifth seal. Way out here, seven years later, is the seventh seal. This is the seventh seal here. This is the day Jesus returns. I'm going to explain that in just a second. I'll skip that. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. They went out another horse that was red, and power was given him that sat there to take peace from the earth, to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. There was given him a great sword. Now, when I was memorizing the book of Revelation, the audible voice of God spoke to me and said, The seven seals play over seven years. The seven trumpets play over seven months. So from here to here is the last seven months. And the seven vials play over the last seven days. So from here to here it's seven years. This is the last seven months. This is the last seven days. But they all conclude on this day. First seal opens on the Feast of Trumpets. The last seal, or the seventh seal is open on the Feast of Trumpets on about or around within a day or so there. Now, third seal. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat upon him had a pair of balances in his hand. I heard a voice out of the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and wine. I cannot tell you how many times I have researched, I have prayed, I have agonized over trying to understand this verse. And all of a sudden, I got it, like about three months ago, what it's saying. And I got it when I finally understood what wheat is. So, what is wheat? We are the wheat. What is the barley? The barley represents the Jews. So, it says a measure of wheat, one measure of wheat for a penny... Three measures of barley for a penny. I believe it's saying in the last three and a half years of the tribulation, in the tribulation, there will be three times more Jews saved than Gentiles. That's all it's saying. I could talk for a long time about all the things I've agonized over trying to understand that verse. Finally, I got it. 
In other words, three times more Jews will be saved than Gentiles. We are the Gentiles. Now let's go on. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the fourth voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. Now, this is important. I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat upon him is death, and hell followed with him. Did you know that the Muslims have a phrase that they are death and hell follows with them? I thought that was kind of interesting. Right out of the Bible. And I believe that's who it's talking about. Mostly it's referring to the Muslims. Hell followed with him, and powers given him over a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Meaning, by the fourth, by the fourth we by the fourth year out here. Now it does not say each one of those seals represents a year, but it says they play. In other words, I think, let me back up here, I gotta show you, okay. I think these first three seals here play pretty quickly. This one probably plays after mid-trib. This is in the middle of the tribulation. I know it doesn't look like on the chart, but that's in the middle of the tribulation. So, I'm getting the point here. Now let's go to the fifth seal. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. What? You mean Christians would die? You mean God would let Christians die? What do you think? Would God let his people die? And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true to us, and not judge and avenge? What's the word avenge mean? It means balance it out, okay? Not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth. And white robes were given to every one of them, and said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also... And their brethren that should be killed, as they would, should be fulfilled. We Christians should not be coming to church to be just blessed. We Christians should be coming to church to be prepared to meet our God. Amen? We should not be coming to church saying, okay, let's see if you can please me. See if you can get me excited enough to come back. Instead, we should be coming to church to say, what must I do to be saved? What do I have to do to get closer to Jesus? It should not be a big party. It should be, help me to be more Christ-like. You, as the leader here, I assume is closer to God than I am. And so I assume you're going to be able to help me and show me the path to get closer to Him. Right? Right? That's what it should be. So he's saying that there's a time coming. Some of his fellow servants are supposed to be killed. Well, wait a minute. Why did he let John the Baptist be beheaded? He could have stopped it because he was blessing him. All right, enough of that. Let me go on. Now, here's the point. And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. When you hear that great earthquake, that's one of the last things that happens on the day he returns. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. Why does the sun become black as sackcloth of hair? Let me back up right here. In the fourth file, the sun gets seven times hotter. Isaiah 30, verse 26, gets seven times hotter. In the fifth vial, so this is 72 hours before Jesus returns here, the sun goes out. And when it goes out, 
it never relights ever, ever again. And you would think that the sinners out there that have never received Jesus would look up into the sky and say, uh, sun's gone out. Maybe we don't have too long to live. Maybe we need to find out about this God we've been running from all of our life. Maybe the Bible was true to tell us about this. Maybe we do need to receive Jesus. You'd think that that would be the reaction. But no, still a lot of them still will not receive Jesus. So let's jump over here, back to where we were going. Back up, back up, here we go. Great earthquake. Sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth. Even a fig tree cast her untimely figs when she was shaken of a mighty wind. And here it is. And the heaven departed as a scroll. Now, notice that because I'm going to, that's going to be a major part. I'm going to come back and explain that. Yeah, I've got enough time. Heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the, chief, the, the, the rich men, chief captains, mighty men, every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains. Why? Because they have underground areas down there now. And said to the mountains and rocks that fall unto us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne. Here it is. Remember that word wrath? We've been trying to figure that word out. There it is. And from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day. And by the way, when he returns, it is a less than a 24-hour period. Isaiah 17, 4 says, In the evening they are, in the morning they are not. He returns in less than 24 hours. The great day of his wrath has come and who should be able to stand. So if you look at this, what it's saying is, the heaven departs as a scroll. Those people that are underground say fall on us and hide us from the face. So they're underground. Probably, we guess, in the ballpark of 10 to 15 miles below the surface. We're not talking about a little bitty cave underground. We're talking about something really deep. Yet, 10 or 15 miles underground, they can look up and see his face. Wait, how could that happen? Well, that is the point. We're trying to answer the question, if we're not born of the water and of the Spirit, how can we be eternal, he's saying. How can we enter to the kingdom of God? How can we have an eternal body? What is that spirit body? Here's the answer. So when Jesus returns, we have to jump back to Revelation chapter 1. Before he said light, before he created the heavens and the earth, there was darkness. So darkness is representing eternity. So here's the way it is when Jesus returns. We want to think that Jesus is out there on some planet heaven someplace. Actually, from several other verses, which I don't have time to go into, I'll explain to you. There are times where John stood upon the face of the earth and he looked up and I saw heaven open. From the earth he looked up and he saw the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. So he could see him. Remember Stephen? Stephen was being stoned to death. What did he do? He looked up. That's right. He looked up and he saw into heaven. So what it is, it's another dimension. I know we don't understand that totally. It's another dimension. So when Jesus returns, here's what it's like. When he returns, darkness enters into time. And literally, time rolls back and the heaven rolls back like a scroll. Then he returns, 
on a white horse, having many crowns. Eyes were as a flame of fire, and he had a name written on his vesture and on his thigh, a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When he returns, he blows the morning star. What's the morning star? Remember, and I will give power to my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred three score days, clothed in sackcloth. If any man will hurt them, fire proceeded out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. That is the morning star. They just go, and all of a sudden, they just fall to the ground and pile up ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. That's the morning star. So Jesus returns on the white horse with two other angels that have sharp sickles. The sharp sickles slash the grapes. The grapes, the blood of the grapes or the, the sinners fall to the ground and they rise the horse bridle uh, by the space of 1,600 furlongs. And then behind him are the arm, armies in heaven. Who's the armies in heaven? Yeah, and what are we riding? What? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> we're riding white horses and Jesus does this he goes he blows that morning star down the morning star goes to the center of the earth sets the foundations of the mountains on fire the channels of the sea are open the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord or the presence of the Lord of the whole earth that's when he rises to shake the earth terribly every mountain falls every valley is filled in the crooked places are made straight. The rough places are made smooth. The earth is turned into a nice, round, smooth ball. When that glory goes down, it goes to the center of the earth. That's the reason people, even if they're 10 or 15 miles under the earth, they can look up and see him. They see that glory right through the rock. Whatever it is, they, nothing escapes that glory. That glory, boom, it lights the whole earth. Because the sun has been out for 72 hours. And it never, ever, ever relights again. As that glory hits the center, whoom, they fall to the ground. A pile of ashes and bones destroying both body and soul. As it hits us, there it is. Out of our belly, whoom, flows rivers of living water. And in an instant, we flame on. We get a glorified body. We get all of our crowns, our mantles, our rewards, everything. Boom, just like that fast we can blink an eye. For us, it's eternity at that moment. When he says, let's go back to the verse. Verily, verily, you must be born again. Okay, what's he talking about? Except a man be born of the water, that's of the mother, and of the whoo. I told you, you'd get a deeper understanding. Right? So now we're going to say, so unless you be born of the water and the whoo. Thank you, Lord, for showing us that. Of the spirit, that spirit, when it hits the earth, it glows. Sun never relights again. Never relights again. And they shall, and he shall feed them, lead them into living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. We have garments that never grow old, a body that never grows old. We can eat of the tree of the uh, life. We can drink of the river of water of life flowing from the throne of God. We can eat the fruit of the tree of life. Blessed are those that keep his commandments that they may enter into the 
to, to the, the, the kingdom. They may eat of the tree of life. They may drink of the water. But the leaves are for the healing of the nations. The nations are ones that are not saved. So keep in mind, when these things hit, this is not our home. We're just passing through. Our heart is not in this world, but our heart is in building the next world. That's our heart. And the wrath of God is the morning star. That is the wrath. The living water is our belly flows, rivers of living water. That is the morning star. That's what he's really talking about there. Okay, so if you're walking, watching online or if you're in person here, you can go to spiritofprophecychurch.com and you can sign up and become a member. Why become a member? I got to thinking about this. You know, too many people are wandering generalities out there. They haven't even received Jesus. And then a lot of times people kind of follow Jesus, but they follow him at a distance. By saying I'm a member, you're saying, look, I believe in these, what these people believe in, King James Bible, that we're looking for Jesus to return, that we have to live right. You're, you're saying before Jesus, this is what I really believe in. You're making a statement. So I encourage you to become a member. Also, if you're online, we encourage you to click like, share, and subscribe. And let me give you the opportunity to receive Jesus. You never know who has not received Jesus. And maybe today is the day. So let me, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> let's say, let's say that you're driving home today, turn the same corner, stop the same stoplight, same stop sign, this corner, that corner. Only this time as you turn the corner, you see this big grill and it's in your face. And the next thing you know, you wake up and there's Jesus. And he says, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Would you say, I've been a good person? Uh, would you say, well, you know, I, I went to church when I was, when I was a little, little boy, a little girl. Do you know the answer? The answer is because you're my Lord and Savior. And we should have already said that in this life while our heart was still beating, not in the next one. So let's go to the point of our verse today. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him will not have to die, but have an eternal light body. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have. We were sinners before we were born. So how do we change that? We have to understand that by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. We cannot earn it. We cannot buy it. It's a gift. How do we take that gift? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth in righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Saying, it's not enough to say it and not believe it. Not enough to believe it and not say it. We've got to say it, got to believe it. Now, people of other gods can deny their God. They're not saved anyway, but we can't. We can't deny him. 
Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But the question here is, what is this word? What is repent? Repent means that if we choose Jesus, if we choose to follow Jesus, that means we choose Jesus. And that means we follow Jesus. Thick or thin, rain or snow, sleet or shine, persecution, ridicule, mark of the beast, means we stay with Jesus. It doesn't mean that we follow Jesus on Sunday and then live like the devil the other six days. Bible says you can't get fresh water and salt water out of the same river. In other words, you've got to choose. Are you salt water or you're fresh water? You're Jesus, you're not Jesus. Now, I'm going to lead everybody in a prayer. But I'm going to do a really, really, really simple prayer. The simplest of all prayers. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. No one looking around. There's going to be one simple sentence. And that is, say it with me. Jesus, be my God. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, send me an email. Why? Because mm. Matthew 10, 32 and 3 says, Whosoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. So it's very important to tell somebody that you decided to follow Jesus. And then, follow Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you that you've strengthened our heart, helped us to understand that we get an eternal body, but we have to live right before you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. If you have a prayer request, I'll be happy to pray for you. And you folks online, if you'd like to give, just slide down to the blue line and click it. And it'll take you over and you can make a donation today.